This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm just going to get out in front of it, you know, right at the top of the show here. Listen, I get it. I was wrong on so many things. So many. I mean, what, what do you want from me? Okay, it's the Olympics. You never know what's going to happen. I get it. I was wrong on a lot of things. And as always, at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? I could be doing better, fellas, because somehow we had the nerve to record during the women's high jump qualifying. My girl Yaroslava Mahukahik. I got money on her, and she. Me too. Me right too. Now. You too. Yes, yes. Yaroslava for the Wait, win. Let's go, who, boys. Let's go. Who is this girl, and why do you both have money on her? So she is the favorite in the high jump, but she was like even odds about it, if I remember correctly. And so, you know, we'll, we'll, we're going to talk lots of gambling as we go, I'm sure. But I got a nice little parlay with her and a thing Mo. So that could hit real nicely for me as she hits. Basically, I'm just trying to get a little action on every event, get excited. And right now we got women's high jump as well as uh, the women's uh, pentathlon going on. So there's stuff all over the board. Pentathlon, heptathlon. Pent- there, I'm sorry, I'm getting confused. <laughs> yeah, pentathlon? So, I mean, is that the horses and the shooting, right? The modern path. Uh, I think that I think they also do like uh, and fencing, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Right, getting us <laughs> off track. I'm sorry. That that sounds like a made up event. <laughs> anyways, anyway, so we are recording during. So it's it's Wednesday night. So we're gonna get some live reactions to some of uh, some of these events. Hopefully. This episode will culminate in a Ryan Krauser live reaction. Um, but I just want to start off the show talking about this. A lot of things so far up to this point have not gone our way. And we've, we've lost a lot. We've lost a lot of money. Um, most of our picks to this point, most of our predictions have not hit. But I just want to say to Mike, I just want to say to Trent, I want to say to the rest of the two crew, it's gut check time right now, right? If, you're, if you want to pack up and you want to go home, then this game isn't for you, all right? This is gut check time. This is where you separate the people that are about this life and the people that have no business being here, okay? You got to learn how to take your lumps. You got to know how to take your hits, and you got to know how to rally. You got to know how to fight back. So, yeah, for the next couple days, we're going to be in damage control, but we're fighting back, all right? We're not going to take a loss on the 2020, 2021 Olympics, whatever I'm, whatever we're calling it. We're not going to take a loss on this Olympics. So we're down, but fellas, we are not out. And I look back at like a lot of the picks we made, right? And we have, you know, we had a mix of long shots and favorites and smart bets and parlays and all this stuff. Looking back at like all the picks, most of the picks that I've lost so far, they were most of the long shots. And obviously we're going to get into it, but like we still have a lot of our favorites of things we felt really good about the Ryan Krausers, the Timothy chariot still left to go. Both my marathon picks left to go. I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface of the, the big events yet. So it's, it's, it's early. Listen, 
absolutely no regrets. Like you guys have both said, I completely plan on being in the money by the end of this thing. And you know what? The first week of the Olympics, when we started getting to the track and field, I don't know how long it's been. You could tell me it's been three days. You could tell me it's been 10 days. Whatever long it's been has been absolutely electric. I have been tuned into literally every event. I'm watching qualifying and stuff that I've never watched before, and I couldn't be happier about it. So you know what? It's part of the ups and downs. The, the wins, the losses, it's part of the ups and downs. We are fine, and we're enjoying the hell out of it. Trent, you bring up a great point there that I wanted to get into a little bit. Steve. How pleasantly surprised are you with how tuned in Trent is? I mean, we're getting oh. unsolicited <laughs> texts at like 11 p.m. at night. Trent's commenting on, you know, a triple jump or, say, you know, some random track event. I mean, holy smokes, Trent. You are, you're locked in. And I got I to gotta be honest, I'm impressed. I mean, this, this, this uh, broken ankle might be the best thing to ever happen to the podcast. That's right. <laughs> I, I feel like you guys, I'm sure you're learning a little bit about some of these athletes. I am like quadrupling the knowledge base that I had more than that. It's just exponential growing. I feel like after this, I'm actually going to be a professional like track and field and running just podcast hosts instead of the, <laughs> the fraud that I am right now. Well, so I, you know what? I was in, I was in a bad place. I was in a real bad place this morning after watching that 200 meters because, you know, a few weeks ago, you know, we were picking our, our guys that, and girls that we were going to throw significant money behind, several units behind, and Noah Lyles was one of those guys. And uh, I may have told several people in my life that don't necessarily follow track and field, follow the sport of running, that Noah Lyles is one of the guys that they should be hammering. So I feel very responsible, not only for my own bank account, but to all those people I let down. Um, and I got to tell you, it was, I was kind of bummed out for most of the day, but somewhere around, you know, two, three o'clock, I went for a run a little bit later, I started getting the fire back. And I was just like, you know what? It's time to rally. It's time to go. This is where champions are made. Let's make this happen. So I want, you know, we're going to talk, we're going to talk, uh, you know, we're going to go through news and we're going to talk about some of the bets that we've lost. We're going to talk about a lot of the bets we've lost and how it didn't necessarily go our way to this point. But I'm just going to say right now, no negativity, positive vibes only. We got, there's a lot of game left to play. There's a lot of track left to run. We got a lot of opportunity to make money. And you know what? This is just, the, this is the old poker saying right now. All you need is a chip in a chair. As long as you got a chip in a chair, you still got a fighting chance. And that's what we got right here, boys. We got a chip in a chair, and I'm not getting up from this poker table. Um, I mean, I'm ready to run through a brick wall after, after <laughs> these, that. I mean, these Tokyo Olympics give us the best opportunity for the quicker band, right? Some of these Olympic athletes, they're going to have a tough day. They got to wait three years this time, usually four years to get back on the horse. We just have to wait till the next morning or the next night. Like it is nonstop. It's coming at you. You get like 12 hours to take some deep breaths and, and just collect yourself. And then you're right back at it. Yeah. So kind of talking about the no negativity there, I kind of wanted to just like dive into some like Olympic things in general. Right. I try and I do like to your point. It's like you, you start your day and you end your day every single day with track and field, right? You're up first thing in the morning, 6 a.m. shift, and you're watching the events. And the last thing you do before you go to bed is you're watching the night shifts. Um, so I do like the grind. Now, he here's a question I have for you guys. This is a discussion we had months ago at this point, like a real long time ago. 
now that we are in Olympic mode and you're watching it every day on the television, have you guys changed your tune or come around at all to the USA singlets? Because, listen, you guys talked a big game about how, like, they were purple. I mean, they don't look purple when they're out there. They don't all right. at all. They really all don't. Right. All right. So I will say this. The short answer to that question is yes. The short answer. But I will say, so um, the, the shorts, like the split shorts, have a darker – like, it comes off a little bit darker than the half tights or, you know, any of the compression material. And that looks way better. Like when um, uh, Grant Fisher, uh, Woody Kincaid, and Joe Klecker came out in the in the 10K, and they were all wearing the split shorts. Not split shorts. None of them were wearing the the half tights, and the the blue looked darker, and the red was popping on the singlet. I was like, oh, I think I might have been wrong. I think I might have been wrong on these. So, yes, hand up. I'm coming around to these singlets. I knew you would. They've grown on me a little bit. Can I make one request though? Can we get like the same singlet? Everybody wearing the same thing. I don't yep. like this option yep. thing. You get one or two. I'm getting confused out there. I don't know who to root for. I'm not, I'm not that smart, people. Give me one singlet, and then everybody has on the same team. We got the same uniform. So, yes, Mike, it's grown on me, but I still have my qualms with the singlets, and mainly it's because we can't even get everybody in the same thing. That's fair. I, I, I do. Can, I can live with that. I hate how the body suits are very different than the than the singlets. That's just like. You got to go with the same design. Sure. Yeah, that, that's fair. I can, I can live with that compromise. Um, but yeah, no, you know, we got, you know, I, I gave our little pump up speech. We got our, our saver, savior Ryan Krauser coming tonight and that's going to be the turning point. Um, Mike. Yeah. Let's uh, let's, you know, in order to stay organized, we have a whole lot to talk about. We're not going to dive into every single race. We're not going to dive into every single result, but we did pull headlines and we're going to kind of use that as prompts to kind of to, for us to have discussions around some of these major storylines from the Olympics. So on that, Mike, let's kick off the running news. Yeah, so just kind of as I've been watching the you know, all the events, I've just been taking furious notes along the way. So like Steve said, we're not going to hit every single event, but just a couple of things from from random events that we thought were interesting that we wanted to talk about that we wanted to break down. And we're going to start with one that I know <laughs> I know there's going to be some opinions about. And this is, you know, an event that the Peak Too Early podcast in all fairness doesn't spend a whole lot of time talking about but we're gonna, we're gonna break down the men's high jump here because first of all the men's high jump was awesome it was a badass competition you had a bunch of guys going all out getting fired up i we've talked about it before but i there's nothing i love more than a high jump celebration you just get over the bar and like you're on the mat pumping your fist I, I, it's an electric event uh there was that one guy uh, I think it was the guy from uh, Qatar, maybe, who just, like, wears the glasses every time he gets over. And one time the glasses flew off his face and he, like, punched the glasses in there. I mean, it, awesome event. It was coming down to the wire. Everyone was jumping super high. And then something happened where, you know, the, the two guys going for gold all missed on, on the the top height there. And... I mean, hand up. I didn't know that this is how this works, but they convene with like 
an official and they get to decide there's no like ruling on this there's no set way of doing things it's like they have to come to an agreement together whether they want to keep jumping or they want to just share the gold medal and so the two decided to share the gold medal you had the italian guy there who like was jumping with his uh with his boot next to him and he, like, right, let's get their name down Mike. and keep cried in. i mean what what a let's wild their- turn of events Mike, let, let's get their names in here, all right? So it's uh, oh, Mutaz. I, I don't know how to pronounce his not first name that well, but it's Mutaz Barshim from what he's from. He's from Qatar, right? He's yeah, the guy from Qatar. I yeah. He's from Qatar. Yeah, and then we got uh, John Mar- Gianmarco Tambiri. Um, he goes by Half Shave on Instagram. So he's the crazy guy that shaves half of his face, you know, during kind of like diamond leagues and stuff like that to just give a little extra slickness getting over the bar. But Barsham is a guy that we talked about during the world championships last year. He's the electric uh, high jumper that, that won the world championship. And we were kind of big fans of when we were watching it. Um, I have so much to say on this. Um, I'm going to hand it off to tr- like, because I had a rant on Instagram I've thought a lot about this, but I'm going to pass it off to Trent to get his take on it because I feel like I'm going to dominate this topic a little bit with how much I have to say about it. Well, I think we're going to agree on a lot of points, Steve. So I'm sorry if I step on your toes a little bit. But first off, I totally agree with Mike where I was totally surprised that they were just going to give these athletes the decision of what to do next. I couldn't believe that was part of the rule book. My next reaction, I'm watching it. I see the celebration. I'm a little confused. Um, they both were, were so excited to so quickly just take the gold. It's like, oh, this is, this is kind of fun. This is, this is interesting. But then you think about it. And, and this was, I'll, I'll give credit to my girlfriend, Megan, for making this point. We got robbed of the most electric finish to the high jump as fans. To see a jump off, and again, We're not experts. I couldn't even tell you exactly what the rules are on the jump off. But any kind of jump off between two guys that are that close, neck and neck, that would have been absolute must-see TV. That's when you you call everybody up and all eyeballs are on it. It would have been the potentially the best thing in the entire Olympics to watch those guys go and jump for jump. So we got robbed. Especially those two guys, right? Because they're both like characters in their own right. I was talking about Barsham. They're electric. Yeah, they, they they're electric. They're Barsham two, with they're the, two the best personalities in the sport. Yeah, they're two of the, the best Italian personalities. Guy. So here's my perspective on it, right? And I could be completely dead off on this. But you come to that huddle, right? I think the uh, Barsham, I, I, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, the, guy, the kid from Qatar, I think he's the better high jumper than the guy from Italy, Italy, right? So this guy from Italy, he's got this crazy background story where he like demolished his ACL, didn't think he was ever going to jump again. Like I said, he had like the cast out next to him when he was jumping his, his last few races to like, you know, that sentimental moment. When you come, how can you have a moment where like you come together? I, I would almost bet that the kid from Qatar did not want to agree to do the gold medal because he's better, right? Like, he probably wins that jump off. But, like, the setup you have where you have to have these two guys go face-to-face and come to a decision, and then you saw, like, the emotional breakdown from the guy from Italy, it, it's just a no-win situation from the – from. I, I don't know. I, I, I just wish it doesn't go down like that because how does the, the Qatar guy look at Italy right in the face and just go – 
mm, no, I'm not giving you the gold yeah. medal. You know what I mean? It's just like, and, and the guy from Italy, that's best case scenario because 10, 15 years from now, nobody's going to remember how the high jump finals went down. All people are going to know is that that guy is a gold medal. So, I mean, a gold medal, you know, you, you get to have that forever. So it, it just, it, the situation sucks. And, it, and we always talk about this. This is one of those like water cooler moments where it's like very often or very, not very often is track and field being talked about at the office next to the water cooler. But it always seems like it's these shitty things that make track and field look bad. I mean, I was in my office the next day and I heard people talking about the freaking high jump. So many cool track and field things going on. And the one thing that we've talked about in my office is freaking Simone Biles and the, the high jump. It's it just like, that's what we get from the Olympics. Great. Just like, so it, it sucks. It, it sucks that it went down like that. Steve, you got... Steve is so excited, he couldn't even turn his mic on. The producers are like, we can't let him go. The rant is going to be too intense. We got to ease him in here a little bit. Nope, still not. The producers are still cutting him off. I'm trying to read lips, Trent. What do we think? I think he's saying, actually, I know exactly what he's saying. I think he's saying, after reflecting on the moment, I love that they tied. And there should be more events that end in a tie. And in we fact, shouldn't even run the finals or do like the final jumps. We should just call it a tie. Wow, that's a very interesting take from Steve. Now he's saying that he just thinks everybody should be given a gold medal, even the people who don't qualify. In fact, every American should just be mailed a gold medal in the mail at birth. Because... And I think he's... Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, Steve, we already broke down all your takes for you. I don't know. Okay, well, I have a, I have a lot to say here. So, 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 give me, give me, give me some time here for a second. So, yes, I did. I did a rant on Instagram, freaking out that they were going to give away two gold medals. Like the fact that they have two gold medals to give out an event is crazy, right? You should never put it on the athletes, like we were talking about earlier. You should never put it on the athletes to the side because it's only going to make one or both of them look bad, right? You, it, it shouldn't be their decision. It should absolutely be a decision by, you know, the, the yellow jackets, the track officials to, or just a rule that you can't give out two gold medals. It's ridiculous that you gave out two gold medals. So that, that, was, that really bothered me. And the fact that I had, I had money on Barsham and I didn't think that the ticket was going to cash when, when this was happening. Uh, I was freaking out about that. I thought I was going to get a push. But the ticket cash. So my feelings on this have changed a little bit. And I'm going to get into that. <laughs> and you're right, Trey. You bring up a great point. We were going to have a home run derby-esque blast off for the high jump, which would have been one of the greatest moments in the history of the Olympics. One of the greatest moments in the history of track and field. And we got robbed of that. But... My ticket cashed, so I was, you know, I started getting past this a little bit. And we mentioned that these are two of the most electric personalities in the sport, right? Like they're two very different guys, but two guys that, you know, they're they're fun to watch. They're fun personalities on Instagram. Um, I like I in my personal life, I just follow two high jumpers because I think that they're electric personalities in the sport. And if this. If this is if from this comes a bromance between Barsham and Gianmarco, 
then I'm here for it. Because it, it, there's been a little bit, like, there's, they, you know, obviously we had on the track, there's been clips of them kind of hanging out, um, you know, after the fact. If we kind of get this unlikely duo bromance between these two guys, I'm here for it. I think it's going to be awesome. Like, I want a reality TV show. That's, that's what I was going to say. For, and, forget the Inga Britson's reality TV yeah. show. Let's get these two guys. <laughs> and it's just like the unlikely duo. Like, it would be like a Robin Big setup, right? Where these two guys that you would just never expect to be best friends that are just like forever tied because of this gold medal situation that are just bros and best of friends. So, yeah, it left a bad taste in my mouth. But as it kind of went on and as I thought a little bit about it, I think, uh, you know, Gianmarco was kind of like posting videos of them in the dining hall, making fun of what Barsham was eating, stuff like that. If if these two guys just become best friends because of this and we get a ton of hilarious content from it, I, I'm here for it. Just, he wins I his ticket. It. I know. Now he's yeah, the ticket cash. The ticket cash. It's all that matters. He's That's like it. everybody loves each other. The magic love. of the ticket. Like, <laughs> listen, if that comes out of this, that's a great effect. But I have, I am unable to think that far ahead. I am just more disappointed in the moment. But yes, as a long-term take, if we have some sort of you know Instagram fun with these two guys, um. I'll, I'll, I'll give that to you, Steve. That, that is definitely the most unique take I have heard on the high jump <laughs> so far. All right. So let's move to another event that I know Steve is passionate about. I'm, I'm afraid we might be, you know, going too hard in on Steve's passion this early in the, the news, but we're going to go for it anyways. We're going to talk about the men's 200 meter race. So Steve, Steve briefly referred to it earlier. Um, I know you got a lot to say on this, Steve, and I know, so here's the difference, right? I think we're going to have a slightly different uh, energy from Steve, and the difference is, in one case, the ticket cashed, and in the other case, the ticket did not cash. So in the semifinals, Noah Lyles, you know, doesn't finish through the line. He doesn't get a great lane number, and Steve instantly texted me and Trent and was like, the lane is going to screw Noah. He's going to lose, and I'm going to lose all my money. I'm already pay- just going on and on and on. And lo and behold, what happens? But the greatest 200 runner in the world comes in third, does not cash Steve's ticket. Noah Lyles is not a gold medalist. He did not win the 200. Steve, any anything to say about that? Yeah, much different tone here. Uh, this, like I mentioned earlier, this one kind of broke me for most of the day. I had to like really psych myself self up to get out of the funk that Noah Lyles put me in. Um, but one thing, one thing that I've kind of realized watching the Olympics, how you progress through the rounds and how you qualify in each round, um, it does a lot, not only for your, like in the sprints event, it, it, it affects your placement in the lanes and where you're kind of seated, but it also like, it, it really affects the mentality that you have going into the next race. And when Noah lie and in his first, in his first qualifier, Noah was dominant. And I was like, okay, I feel good about my bet. Like this is, this is good. And then the semifinals, he lets up at the line. He he's in the lead. He lets up the line, ends up finishing third in the heat has to qualify based on time, not on place. It was just, for me, the writing was on the wall right then and there. Like the momentum's gone. You screwed yourself. You're not going to get the best lane placement. Like it's just, it's, it's not, 
it, it was just for me, I kind of felt like it was over right then and there. And DraftKings actually gives you a cash out option. So I was actually texting Mike and Trent last night. Do I cash out at 50% of the money I bet on on Noah? And I was thinking about it just because I was so dejected. And sure enough, you know, we, we were watching the race this morning. And to be fair, the race was pretty electric and pretty exciting. Noah was in the lead for most of the race, but he gets he gets caught with, you know, about, you know, 15, 10% of the, of the race left to go. And it's just like I'm sitting there being like, I friggin' knew this was going to happen. Like, it just – it's it, it's it's disappointing and especially when a guy has the you feel like he has the talent he has the personality that you want to get behind i don't know i'm i'm pretty beat up after this one i, I agree steve you know you talked you tried you had trouble getting out of your funk from you know watching that uh the bet on noah that didn't go your way he had to have trouble getting out of his funk from being in the situation he was in. Noah is such like an emotional guy who just is like thrives on, you know, just positive energy and having fun out there, which makes it so fun to watch him. But there's no way you can get me to believe that the stress and the, the knowing that he almost just screwed up royally uh, on the, on the semis did not affect his files there. Uh, so I totally agree. I think it's a good lesson learned that you can learn a lot in these you know, qualifying rounds that are going to affect the final. Um, shout out to the USA, though. We did get two, three, four in this event. So that was cool. Seeing the wall of uh, the, the USA singlets that are very mediocre kind of come through behind the grass. Uh, that Arian Knighton guy, I, I was texting you guys. I was like, I might hedge my bet on Noah with a, with a Knighton bet. That guy is electric and he's 17 years old, ended up with fourth in this one, but he's like going to be a legit contender in, in years to come. So it was, it was fun to see us. Uh, and I know we can get that number one, but to see that kind of wild red, white, and blue right there. And Trent, I, I want to quickly follow up on one thing you just said, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way because it's, if somebody clips this, it's going to sound bad. But I was like, you know, wallowing in my misery. And it, it was salt on the wound that Noah was so happy about a bronze medal. Like I, because we've thrown it out, out there that this guy has the potential to be one of the all-time greats, one of the greatest like track, USA track athletes of all time. And in, I just feel like in order to do that, you got to have that killer instinct that, it's either the gold or nothing. And I'm not saying be upset about, be upset about bronze, but don't be like falling on the track in tears because you got a bronze because dude, you were the favorite to win gold, not winning gold in this situation. You fell short. Right. And so I, I'm happy. I'm happy. He got a medal. I'm happy. He got to stand on the podium. I'm not taking that away from him, but man, I want to see that absolute fire killer instinct out of Noah on the track. Yeah, I agree. Steve. I think that's kind of like, where my point lies because we've talked about it right noah has a chance to be and arguably is like the face of usa track and fields and and he should be but it hurt it hurts his chances when he doesn't perform and doesn't take home gold and you know if he's seemingly satisfied with bronze i mean now you start looking at guys like uh grant holloway and stuff like that as the face um and you know i think that hurts i I think it hurts his case um you know obviously we've had nothing but love praise the hell out of noah but you know 
this is this this is the stage you got to prove it on, and this is what people remember. People don't remember those random Diamond League events or those random, you know, the the uh, Olympic qualifiers or what. Like the, people remember what you got at the Olympics. So, and this, is, you know what, Mike? What you know what, Mike? There's too much ass kissing, and we've talked about this. Um, <clears throat> before there's too much ass kissing in the world of track and field like you're not allowed to criticize you're not allowed to like get on anybody's case unless you're like matthew centrowitz you're not allowed to get on anybody but now you start mixing gambling you start mixing in money and you start sure. losing people money now now the fans have have kind of reason to be like upset when somebody's not performing i'm gonna get upset at noah just like i'm gonna get upset at the red Sox, just like i'm gonna get upset at the patriots whatever whoever i'm betting on whoever i have like a, an invested rooting interested i'm gonna get on these guys for not doing what they're supposed to do yeah i agree all right let's move on here uh, i don't have a ton to say uh about the men's 10k uh, i suppose i should probably bring up who the winner was because the two people i wanted to talk about were not the winner but as i'm doing that um grant fisher let's start with him fifth place in the 10k i mean the 10K is a very, very difficult event to meddle in. And the fact that Grant Fisher, a guy who a few years ago we were kind of down on because mostly because of the uh, Grant Fisher-Morgan McDonald thing. We obviously came around to him, he came on the show. We're big Grant Fisher guys now. But still, like, he he never felt like this, like, huge presence right he was always solid and a you know really good but this huge presence grant fisher through his performance at the trials and then coming in fifth in the 10k in the world i mean we got to start putting grant fisher in top distance runner in america like he 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 is gotta be our guy going forward i mean he's still very young got a huge career ahead of him and He's doing it on the big stage up against the biggest names. So, I mean, I don't know. I was absolutely blown away by Grant Fisher, and he raced awesome. He was right there with, like, 200 to go. He still was like, holy shit. Like, Grant, it's not crazy to think that he could do this, which it's just nuts. So, I feel like – it's it's kind of weird to say this, but in a lot of ways, this is kind of like a coming out party for Grant as a superstar in the sport. He is he has elevated himself to one of the one of the superstars in the sport because of this performance, and I could not be more pumped for the guy. It it was like who doesn't belong here when you watch that last two hundred or, or last lap. You have uh, Cheptega, Kiplimo, Berega, Mohamed, and then Grant Fisher just right there after running the perfect race. I agree, Steve. He gets himself to the uh, to here with a, with an awesome trials, but it's like uh, anything can happen. In the trials, the right race, it breaks the right way for him. He was going, you know, pound for pound with just bona fide superstars. Totally agree. He's, he just has, has totally established himself on the national stage or the international stage, I should say. Yeah, and another guy I wanted to bring up too was. Uh, a guy I kind of made a late bid on for one of my picks and was someone I felt real good about was Joshua Chep, the guy who was right there. I, I mean, I think he was four to one odds and that was like one of my favorite odds there was. And I thought for sure that was a no brainer going to hit. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Borrega. He was able to hold him off. Chep, the guy kind of put himself in a bad spot coming around the last turn and just, just couldn't finish it. So 
that was a big loss for me. 5K. Jeff to guy, 5K. Oh, all right. We'll see. Um, a little teaser, a little teaser for later in the show. Okay, so let's move on to the 800. There's so much to talk about here. I mean, I don't even know where you guys want to start. Just a couple big headlines. Ashi Wilson and, and Bryce Hopple, who we talked about at nauseum at, uh, as people we were picking, don't make it to the finals. We had Isaiah Jewett, who was racing his ass off, fell in the semis, and you had one of those classic track moments where – I'm still not sure if I love him or if I hate him where, you know, him and the guy who he fell with, they uh, jogged to the finish line together and hugged it out. Uh, you had uh, Nthing Mo, who is just Steve. Ah, thing Mo. Come on. Mike. Thing Mo. I don't know what we I do. Said. We do. We do a weekly running podcast. Here. Listen, she's, 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 she has become the biggest name in the sport yeah, this week. I, listen, Learn I, her damn name. Okay. I, I, I'm going to mispronounce names from now until the rest of my life. So we're just going to have to deal with that. But she is unfreaking believable. I mean, she is going to be a force in this sport for a very long time. She's 19 years old. She dominates. She gets the gold. So, I, you know, I, we, we talked a lot about Aji and how much we loved Aji's us. I don't know what, what we were thinking, ever doubting uh, Mo. So just throw it a lot out at there, you guys. What do we think? What do we think about like, all these 800 things? I'll tell you what you were thinking. And I want to say we also supported Mo, too. It's just better odds on Wilson. I think we all liked Mo going into it. But Mo is 19 years old. You know, she's she's barely just started like focusing on the 800. It's a shocker, and it's incredible that she went out and dominated. And she dominated every heat she ran in. She ran from the front of every heat that she was in, and she won easily every time, including the finals. Um, so, so that's what we were thinking. We were thinking this this girl's only 19. Can she do on the stage? And then shout out Raven Rogers. The kick that she had at the end of the finals there, she was like in last place in the heat. Uh, with 100 meters to go or second last place with 100 meters to go. And she somehow found her way to the podium with the bronze. So uh, we had a nice little show in the women's, even though Aja didn't work out. Yeah, when it comes to the 800 meter for the U.S., it was either feast or famine. Um, on the women's side, we have we have what looks to be, you know, one of the greatest – uh, one of the, Miley's getting all excited about Athing Mo, one of the greatest, you know, mid distance runners of all time, one of the greatest USA runners of all time in the making here. 19 year old Athing Mo just completely dominating, getting the gold. Raven Rogers having a great showing. But other than that, it was a total and utter disappointment for the 800 meters, especially on the men's side. I mean, a year ago, two years ago, it looked like this was lining up to be the event that that USA just kind of crushes across the board. Two medalists, two to three medalists on the women's side, two to three medalists on the men's side. And instead, like, we got nobody on the men's side on the podium. So it's like I could not be more pumped for Mo. I could not be more pumped to watch her compete in the future and watch her grow as an athlete. But on the men's side, it's just – it is it's the biggest it's the biggest disappointment of the olympics for me just the the team showing at in the 800 meters i think it's it's funny i think just brazier's dominance up until the last couple months kind of clouded our or took away our attention from how good the women were you know turning out to be um 
with with Mo Rogers and Wilson, even though she didn't have it tonight. It was a little bit distracting. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Steve. I mean, it, first of all, it sucks that like we were going in hoping we had a true gold medal contender. You know, we we were going in thinking Donovan Brazier was going to be not going into the Olympics, like going into the Olympic season, thinking we had a legit shot at winning it. And to see two guys not qualified, Murphy got his way in, so it's a nice job by him. I uh, ended up last in the heat, though, so he didn't really have any gas left in it. On the men's side, yeah, it, it was it's tough to go from thinking you're going to have a chance at a gold to your best guy coming last in the finals. Although, shout out to Clayton for, for at least getting himself there. And and we haven't mentioned his name yet, but what happened to Hopple? Like, what, what happened to him? I mean, he's our guy. Like, we're going to defend this guy to the death no matter what. Like, he's our guy. But – Dude, what what happened out there? Yeah, for a guy who we've talked so much about how good of a racer he is, and he yeah. always puts himself in the right spot and all this. You know, listen, weird things happen in the Olympics. You're on this huge stage with the best in the world, and I don't know. I guess one mistake can, can be devastating, but like I said, for a guy who – we've praised the way that he races is the way he's tactically races. He just did not put himself in a good spot. And then coming down the, then there, he was just, he was in no man's land. He, he did not give himself a chance to kind of squeeze through there and get the qualifying, which sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Just huge bummer, huge bummer. Cause you know, I, I wanted to see him in that final. I wanted to see him compete. I wanted to see what he could do and, I don't know. It's just, yeah. I, I watching the men's watching the men's men's eight hundred. I was just like, I have no freaking clue what I'm talking about. Like, I thought for sure this was one <laughs> event that I knew what I was talking about in. I have no freaking clue. It it makes you wonder if, if Bryce just was like playing a little too much, being a little too cute with these qualifying, and, and it's a balance, right? You see, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about somebody like Sancho who's figured this thing out absolutely of how to get through each round. Uh, you know, Hoppel's first time at the Olympics, he might've just been playing it a little too cute and then found himself in no man's land with hundred to go while trying to conserve energy, but end up burning him. Um, all right. Big so, jump for Annie. Big jump for Annie. Let's go. You can see in her face. She's just like, she loves it. Yep. So let's move on. I just want to, one quick note on this. We don't have to go too deep a detail here. I don't know if you guys watch this by any chance, but women's triple jump, another event we don't talk a whole lot about. But so I was watching this one and um, one of the coolest final jumps ever. Uh, woman from Venezuela, her name is Yelimar Rojas. So she took home gold, but she had a walk off world record jump. So she had the last jump. She, she uh, you know, to, to finish out her gold medal, she not only took the gold medal on the last jump, but also like dominated the world record. And the, the thing I, I thought was the craziest about it was the whole time the commentators are kind of like, she was clearly the favorite, but kind of critiquing her jumps the whole time. You know, like, Oh, if she could just do this. She she'll put in a huge jump. And eventually she did put in a huge jump where she smoked the world record. Like I said, on the last jump. So how cool is that? Where like your last jump, you just won gold and you broke the world record. Like how cool of a moment is that? But even after that, so these, the commentators who, uh, you know, obviously know way more than I do. were like critiquing 
the hell out of her jump, which, you know, maybe they're just insane or maybe this girl is that good where she shatters the world record. And there was like three or four things that they were listing. They're like, man, if this girl could just do this, that, and the other thing, like she'll put in like a crazy jump. It's like, how much more of a crazy jump could she put in? She just broke the world record by like what looked like a freaking mile. So I don't know. It, this is one of my favorite things about the Olympics. Was like I was locked into the triple jump and that was an incredible moment. And just watching this girl who clearly is like the best to ever do it. And she just has terrible technique. According to these people. I love it. Yeah. Unbelievable walk. I mean, how often do you get like a walk off, a walk off, walk off world record. It's the best walk off world record for the gold medal. Unbelievable moment. All right. The next Trent, race. Trent, do you have anything to say on that one? You, you caught the one event I didn't watch. So I, I believe you guys, I agree with everything you said and I'll have to go back and watch. Well, it. I'll forgive you for missing the uh, woman's triple jump there. All right. Let's talk men's 100. Lots to talk about here. Uh, the notes I got here is my favorite thing about the hundred is the walkouts, the announcements of the athletes, the crazy light show that they always put on the track with the graphics. I love that. Um, the, in the finals, I don't, I don't remember who the guy was, but somebody got DQ'd for a false start. It's so crazy how it's like subjective thing. They, they treat it like a pass interference call in um, NFL where it's like, there's no there's no set rule for false start where if a guy false starts, he's out or not. They like, again, have a little conference and make the decision on the spot if the guy's out. And then when they finally make the decision, they send the staff member over and they have that little paddle that they just shove in the guy's face, <laughs> which is absolutely ridiculous way to tell someone that they're disqualified. So I just thought that whole thing is again, track just has some rules where it's like, what are we doing? It's such nonsense. But I thought that whole thing was insane. And then of course, our guy Bromel doesn't come through. Another huge hit for the boys. What do we think? I mean, I guess I guess the start cannot go your way. It just seems like the best guy should make the finals in these hundred meter sprints. And so when the favorite doesn't even make it into the finals, I don't know. I'm just scratching my head. Uh, the guy that won this uh, this Jacobs guy from Italy. This guy is a beast. He was like one of my favorite non-US athletes. I'm just even watching him in like the qualifying rounds, thinking, how does this guy get his legs like to move that fast? He looks like he's a middle linebacker out there. Like he's just jacked up. So uh it was kind of fun to to follow him and get excited about him and and coming through. I'm a I'm a big, I'm a big Jacobs fan, I think, moving forward. Yeah. So Mike. Who, who was the only person talking about potential false start as a reason to stay away from the 100 meters? It's a good point. It's a good yeah, point. This yeah, guy right you here. Bring it up. But, but I will say, like, we've kind of grown up in a time over the past two decades where the favorite in the 100 meters was an absolute lock. Sure. So coming into this race, even though I, 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 I was afraid of – the false start, I was afraid of the things that could go wrong in the 100 meters. Even though I didn't put a lot of money on Bromel, I was looking at that on my, on my bet sheet being like, that's one of the sure things on my, on my sheet right now. And the dude doesn't even make the finals. So that was another low point for me over this past week. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the men's and the women's. 1500 meters 
Uh, so the men's side, they are through the quarterfinals. The women's side, they are through the semis. Um, and I know the men's semis are tomorrow morning, uh, right when this drops, basically. So a couple notes I had. Uh, Matt Centro ran a perfect first race. I mean, just did it the way he always does it, was always in the perfect spot, didn't do anything crazy, didn't do anything more than he had to. Um, Hawker and Hoare cruise on through. Jakob decided to run like an absolute crazy person where he was just like basically in last place until the last 200 and then just cruised by everybody. So that was insane. Uh, I have more takes on Jakob, but I'll save them till the end here. Um, our guy, Josh Kerr, cutting it close, but qualifying on time. I mean, there was a moment in time there that we all thought that Kerr was not going to the semifinals, which would have been devastating. Um, on the woman's side, you're missing had, a storyline. Uh, there is a, another storyline, but I figure we'll get to that okay. in a second. Um, on the woman's side, we had Safan Hassan, who's again going for the triple. I think this was like 12 hours before she won um, the 5K. She was in the 1500 meter heat and she fell, then got up and uh, still took her heat. So that was great. And then we have um hall and purrier head into the finals um for you know american slash p2e favorites going for the medals there so that's a bunch of storylines for both i don't know if you guys got anything to add there nothing to add other than the fact that this is one event where we can count on what we had planned happened (laughs) in the first round um except for josh almost kind of losing it but i'm hoping that gives him the fire that he needs to have a dominant uh, semifinals round so yeah this isn't like we talked earlier about the 200 where like if you don't get in the right lane or something that could affect you it's like the 15 survive in advance baby like it doesn't matter how you got through as long as you get through i don't know i think there's a little something where where kerr was was pretty spent the end because you know he was he was there he needed to be with like 200 and and maybe he just went a little too early on it so i hope he can bounce back i have confidence he can the guy's a complete beast um but you know you can't help but worry a little bit about it yeah literally a beast uh on the men's side also i mean you said Centro ran a perfect race which he did uh cole hawker ran a perfect race as well i was kind of impressed by him showing up as a you know just uh, he's a young man out there, his first Olympics, and to, to play with the big boys like he did and really just looked relaxed and perfect the whole way. I was very impressed. And then I just want to go over again the Safan Hassan stuff. That was one of the most incredible things I've, I've seen during this Olympics was her getting tripped up, falling, and then no hesitation. You see other athletes that might just like drop out of it, and especially she's got two other events she can be concerned about. She just bounces right back up and just reels in the entire pack. And not only does she just, uh, uh, not only does she find a way to qualify, she wins the heat. She's like, I'm not here to qualify, I'm here to win, even though I got tripped up. I, I think the, the legend of Safan Hassan, even if she doesn't get this, you know, this triple, right? She's already got one gold medal. She's in the running, the contention for two, and she has the win falling from this. Like Safan Hassan the, the, has just, grown i think exponentially in the the minds of all like track and field fans out there um that maybe you know you knew who she was you knew she was a great runner and stuff but you're watching her and it's amazing and the commentators love it too 
they're just talking about it every time she steps on the track how cool it is so she's getting a lot of attention but it, it, it's truly amazing what, what the hell she's doing out there yeah the the 2019 season for Svanasan was like a huge one right that's like kind of when she bulldozed onto the scene and became you know one of the top women's distance runners in the in the world 2020 she was a little bit quiet but now she's like starting to remind everyone that she is you know the best in the world and you use the word legendary like even if she gets two of the three i mean this will be a legendary performance this will be like something we'll look back on and be like do you remember when hassan just like dominated every distance event and was there and i think there's a i think there's a very legitimate chance that she I, I think I do think she'll get two out of three, and I think there's a legitimate chance she will get all three, which would be nuts. Would help me out a whole lot if one of those three is in the 1500. For sure. For <laughs> sure. Um, so, and you know, I think uh, as things come down to Thunder, that's going to be something we're going to be watching closely. I don't think really any of our storylines change here in the way we feel about anything. But let's talk about um, a kind of, interesting storyline our guy yeah red Nagoose was a no-show in the 1500 uh what, what what was it a quad strain that ended up keeping him from getting on the line the guy you know this amazing story he's able to to get to the olympics and not get on the line now there's a lot of chatter there's a lot of different ways you can go with this uh steve i know you brought up the point that you know this this could have been Craig Angles stepping on uh, the start line instead of, uh, you know, nobody. So I don't know, a lot to break down there. It looks like Steve so, actually. Yeah, Steve's muted again, but I think what he's trying to say is, uh, you know, that. Can you hear me now? It yeah, goes back to this point that you don't have to run the Olympics. Everybody gets Yeah, that's gold, right. So what he was cares? saying earlier about how people should just be handed gold medals, uh, yeah. you know, just for existing. All I think right, this goes back right, to that. Right, all right, all right. So I've thought a lot about this. I've had kind of a little – I've had some different emotions. This is another one where, you know, it's not Stevie Hotheads anymore. It's just it's, – it's kind of a rational thinking uh, mind behind this take here. And at first I was like – yeah, I was like – well, we could, I'm, I'm a Craig fan. There's, you know, many people in the United States that are Craig fans that would have liked to have seen him out there. But then, you know, I started thinking a little bit more about it. And it's like, he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't know that to anybody. He earned his opportunity to be an Olympian. And so even if he knew a long time ago that he wasn't going to be able to run in this Olympics, he was too, he was too hurt to do it. Screw it, dude. You earned the right to be an Olympian. Now go take advantage of everything that comes along with being an Olympian. Don't get your name erased from the history books of being an Olympian just so you can have the track fans of America, you can appease the track fans of America. I mean, and it would be different if, if a guy like Craig had a shot to win a medal. And he said himself, Craig said himself on the Part of My Take podcast, he said that he had no shot of winning a medal. He would just be here to have fun. And I would have loved to have watched Craig in this Olympics. And I think, like I said, so many other people would. But, dude, you're red. You earned a spot on the USA Olympic team, something that everybody in the history of this sport has wanted or strived to do at some point in their life. Take advantage of that and do not feel bad about anything. 
preach, Steve. Absolutely preach. He earned that plane ticket. Take your plane ticket. Go to Tokyo. Enjoy Olympic Village. Celebrate in the Olympic Village. Sleep on a cardboard bed. Do it all. Take your picture in front of the rings. Let's go, Yared. You earned that. Party your ass off. Do whatever the hell you want to do while you're out there because you're not running. So you get to have the most fun out of absolutely everybody. Uh, Listen, I love Craig as much as the next guy, but if Craig wanted to be in Tokyo, then Craig needed to to come in the top three in the trials, and that's just the way it goes. Uh, And also, I'm sure, I'm not sure, I would bet if Yared could have run anything, you know, remotely close to a respectable time, he would have put his ass out on the track. I'm sure he was getting, you know, treatment, um, up until the, the day of his race, or at least until he was in Tokyo in the days after there, thinking like, whatever I can do to make a recovery here, even if I have no chance of getting through the first round, if I can just, you know, not get lapped out there, right? If I can just kind of run a cruise, you know, a one, a two flat even, where it's not going to look really stupid out there and he's going to further hurt himself. I'm sure he was doing everything he could. And you know what? It didn't work out for him, so he couldn't go. Uh, but he should still deserve the, the hell out of that trip. And that sucks for your head. You know, he earns that ticket. Super hard to get. Who knows if he'll have that chance in four years. He doesn't even get a step on the line. So I feel more bad for your red than I do for, for anyone that didn't make it. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that we're all on the same page here. I thought this was going to be a little bit more contentious than it was. But, you know, sure, I think Craig would have loved to go down and race this race and party in Tokyo and just have a good time. But at the, at the end of the day, Craig's a competitor. and if this was the only time he ever went to the Olympics, there'd be a piece of him for the rest of his life that felt like he didn't fully earn it. Right. I mean, I think Craig would be the first one to tell you that that's not how he wants to earn his Olympic biz by somebody else having to drop out. Um, in your ad's case, I truly believe when he got on that plane, he thought that either he was going to run or at least he at least had a chance to run. Right. Like, he was thinking that there was a chance that he could pull himself together, like Trent said, to get himself on the line. I mean, you have to. You have to have that mentality going into it, thinking you're, you know, you're going to give yourself a chance. So it sucks. It is what it is. I mean, that's, that's the nature of the sport, I suppose. But, God, man, I, I was so – I think we were all were so happy for Yared that, you know, I, I just think it's an unbelievable story, him getting there. And it, it does suck to not see him there. And he's an exciting racer, right? When he gets on the track, you just never know what's going to happen. So I feel like it was a loss for USA at that. Um, all right, let's move on to the women's 5K. I feel like we've talked a lot about Hassan at this point, so I don't have a ton to say other than the fact that, you know, my, my whole point was, one down this is this is she checked the one box she got her gold medal and she's on to the next one i don't know if you guys have any other points on the women's 5k before we move on here nope I think she was a big favorite in this one so this yeah. was the one that, that was i think most expected out of all all right the last thing i got notes on here are you know so uh steve we we talked about it last week in our interview with jason but you know he kind of mentioned mentioned um how the 400 meter hurdles they used to kind of clown on in his podcast a little bit and how it's becoming this big thing now on both the men and the women's side. I would argue that the 400 meter hurdles has been the best event so far on, on the men's side, you have uh, Rye Benjamin versus Warholm, which is 
unbelievable race. And, and these guys just have a history of just duking it out. Uh, Warholm is an absolute psychopath maniac and is so much fun to watch. And then on the woman's side, you have just two titans of track and field who have just been breaking world records every time they get on the track. And the two of them both break the world record in, on an Olympic final. I mean, what more could you ask for in this race? It, just crazy. And the fact that Muhammad was leading literally through the last hurdle, and they show the replay, like you see them go over the last hurdle. I mean, she has a half a step on Sydney going into that flat part, and Sydney just completely opens it up. Incredible race. And I texted you guys going into that race. I was like, my reputation, you know, rests on this race because I feel like I just kept saying, you got to like Muhammad at plus 185. You got to like it. You got to like it. You know, she's a former world recorder. She could be there. And I feel like I, it's kind of a push for me there, right? Like, obviously, I lost. Obviously, I was wrong. She didn't get it. But she broke the freaking world record in a loss. Like, what more do you want from me, people? What, like, what more can I do than, than pick a girl who just broke a world record? So that's all I got to say. I think the 400 hurdles is by far my new favorite event in this sport. Absolutely electric on the men's and the women's side. It's hard to pick which one was more electric. But Muhammad, out like a bullet like a bat out of hell huge lead to start off sydney just kind of plodding along doing her thing super smooth unbelievable electric race um last night i i had like 50 bucks in my account and i was just like i need a win i need a win just to get the juices flowing a little bit i need a win to start the positive momentum so i put it on sydney at i don't know plus or minus 330 or something so i only profited like 13 bucks or whatever but i just was like i need a win to get the get the you know get the money train rolling so i felt good about that um i had money on rye benjamin i thought man i thought he had it at one point similar situation where it was just like warholm's just smooth like smooth as hell just absolute beast ripping his shirt off at the end superman style (laughs) he's just a maniac I don't know. The the 400 hurdles is where it's at. I'm never going to say a bad thing about this event ever again. And come uh, 2024, I am not staying away from the hurdles with my money. This is, this is where I'm, I'm placing my bets. It's, I think like out of any event, especially as a washed up distance runner, or I just don't understand how they can move that quick and go over the hurdles. Like it's, it's even just, that much more impressive than looking at some of the times for just like the 400 meters. But like you said, Mike, so you said, you know, you couldn't believe you, you thought you, you looked pretty good by picking Muhammad. She's, you know, breaks the record and then manages to lose. So Benjamin, right. He breaks the former world record on his way to second place. And he even said it after he's like 46, whatever, 46, one. And I lost, like he was shocked to see his time. And then like, put that in his head like that was my time as the guy that came in second place and that was significantly faster than the previous world record i i guess it kind of goes back to the triple jump thing you're talking about to see the world record fall on the way to like a, a gold record you know a gold medal winning performance uh when it's just that tight it's uh it doesn't get any better than that all right gentlemen so unless we have any final points, any of the events that kind of, you know, wraps up my notes and that's it for the news. 
All right, Mike, before we get into two for the money tonight, I have a couple things, couple storylines that I want to bring up for this past week, um, not related to track and field. Um, so I went to a party at Trent's house. When was that party? Is that on Saturday, Trent? That was Saturday. Yep. Yeah. And I was talking to uh, Trent's mother and I was talking to her a little bit about her career. Did you know? Trent comes from a family of radio broadcasters. I I I did know this. I did know. In my this. mind, this is his mother's career. It's how he how she met his father. Like, how did I not know this? See, how his, is she not in here giving us tips? His brother was in radio yeah. broadcasting as well. Yes, Trent comes from a long line of. It's in his blood. It's in Listen, his blood. I've been trying my whole life to get out of the shadow of my mother. <laughs> and, and this is my opportunity to get away from it. Podcasting is very different than radio. It's different skills and all, all sorts of different, different techniques used on the pod. Um, but yeah, shout out mom for the, the God-given ability to, to talk into a microphone. <laughs> well, seriously, she's going to give us, I was just like, because she was talking to us and she was, you know, kind of pumping us up a little bit. She's like, you guys are doing really good. You're getting way better at interviews. And I was, you know, I was kind of feeling myself a little bit. I was like, yeah, we're, we're getting, we're getting good. You know, we're, we're, we have a nice rhythm. We're getting better at asking questions. And, uh, you know, she drops and she goes, yeah, you know, I, I was, I've done a little bit of that in my career. And I was like, what'd you do? She's like, well, I kind of came up in radio broadcasting. I was like, what? <laughs> The, the the thing about it too is she she would tell it like me that you know we had some improvements to work on in the beginning and that was we weren't like i know i wasn't i don't think any of us really knew what to it was going to come peak too early but it does show that we have actually improved because she wasn't afraid to say that we weren't that good in the beginning <laughs> and then she like now she listens consistently and i know she didn't listen all the time in the beginning but now she thinks it's entertaining um so uh, I do think that some real, some real advances have been made in our, our podcasting skills. Uh, another storyline I want to talk about. So Joe Rand, boss man, Rand, <laughs> friend of the show, longtime friend of the show, like a diehard of the show, uh, posted a video of himself post run, chugging a beer and a peak too early koozie wearing a low high cross country shirt. And I guess there's a, he had a bet with my brother at a race. And my brother won, I think it was at the Irish Clover five miler and my brother won. And so Joe has to wear Lowell high school gear. He, he went to a neighboring high school a competitor, like one of our rival high schools. And so at, at, you know, as his payment for the bet, he has to wear Lowell high school gear in every single race he runs for an entire year. So he's not able to wear the two crew singlet in races. He has to wear Lowell high gear. So he's wearing it the other day and I get a DM from our cousin responding to me resharing uh, Joe Rand's story on our Instagram saying, saying, I saw this guy on a run. I drove, I was driving past him while I was on a run and she's from Lowell. So she said, nice, nice, nice shirt, you know, go Lowell. And Joe Rand without skipping a beat should have said, just, he has no idea who's yelling that this, this Adam just says, I should have never made that bet and keeps running. <laughs> <laughs> and I get this DM, two people, completely different parts of my life, connecting over the peak too early Instagram. And the fact that the boss man just referencing this bet that obviously this, nobody knows what he's yeah, talking nobody about. knows what he's talking about. I mean, just an all time move. Yeah, it, yeah, he's one of a kind. One of a kind. I, I think people could tell he probably wasn't from Lowell. You can. Yeah. Boss man Rand's got a look to him that. 
All right. Well, hey, this this podcast is going a little bit on the long side, but we do, like we said, shoot or shoot. We got to pull out of this hole. Let's do a quick two for the money segment just to kind of run through some of the bets that we're looking at towards the end of the Olympics here. All right. I mean, where, where do we want to start? I mean, I'm looking here. Uh, you know, obviously the big one that we're going to be going back, and we've talked about this a ton too, is the men's 1500. Uh, you know, Chariot still sitting at minus 150. Uh, I know this is something we talked about uh, offline here was Kerr was plus 4,000 at one point, and the Hawker was plus 3,500. The two of them are both down to 14 to 1 odds here. So they're their odds have dropped way, way down. So hopefully you guys got in on them when we told you to when they were super high. But what does that tell us? I mean, right, like that Hawker and Kerr both like plummeted down. And also Hawker has the third best odds to win right now. I mean, he's tied for the third best odds. to. I mean, like that seems crazy to me. He's significantly better odds than Matthew Sentrance to win gold right now. Yeah. Unfortunately, stay away from Hawker, you know, he looked great in the beginning, but if you want to sprinkle on Centro, I'm I'm okay with that move at this point. He's at plus 2,500, what I'm seeing. Um, I think his odds have gotten worse, if I remember correctly, from where they started. So that could be something to consider. Um, but I don't know. I think you're kind of picking between Inga Britson and Chariot if you want to bet the men's 1,500 right now. Yeah, I, I stick with where I was in the beginning. I think you got to hit Chariot. And then if you want to sprinkle on a long shot, pick your favorite long shot. Pick Ollie Hoare at 50 to 1. Uh, you know, Kip Sang at 65 to 1. I don't know. Pick your favorite long shot. Pair him with Chariot. I just still think that's the way to go. I agree. I agree. Um, outside of the 1500, I'm looking at a couple different bets here. So I'm looking at, I just placed a bet on. Uh, Devin Allen, the 110-meter hurdler to win gold. And so he's minus 175. So he's looking awesome, right? Now, he's not going to beat Holloway, um, but I think he has a very, very good shot to win silver or bronze in the 110 hurdles. So that's a guy. So uh, what is this, Steve? This is to medal, right? Not to gold medal. medal Okay. To medal. Medal. Minus 175. Um, former football player, you know, he played for the Oregon Ducks. He's a wide receiver, kick returner. I just want to say it's a real shame that football players are stealing headlines from. Yeah. Track and field Honestly, I, it's, I'm surprised that USA Track and Field sent them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I we should continue to write articles about how that's just wrong, bad for the sport. Um, and then the other big thing I'm looking at is I'm starting to look ahead to the marathon, and odds are it looks like odds are posted uh, for for most in most places for the women's side, but you still kind of need to look uh, in Europe overseas for odds on the men's, but they're starting to trickle out. All right, so no, I, I got, I got it here on DraftKings, Steve on DraftKings for the men's. Yeah. Full, full men's marathon. Oh here. no, this is a game changer. Let me pull this up and see if, if the odds correlate to what I have. Um, where are you seeing this? Oh, okay. All right. I yeah, do see full it. odds there. All right. So I am looking at, Oh, baby, I think this is going to work out in my favor. Oh, no, he is less than what I saw, but I'm still going with him. I'm going with my guy, Shura Kitata, right? I picked him as a long shot to win London. He made me look like a genius in London. He's got plus 1,600 odds. He's probably the sixth or seventh favorite to win this thing. 
I'm going with him. He's one of the youngest guys in the field. He's only 25 years old. He's still got his whole running career ahead of him, and he's already peaking at, at a young age. Shura Kitata at plus 1,600. That's the guy I'm looking at in the marathon. I'm also going to sprinkle a little bit on on Galen Rupp. I know we talked about that in previous podcasts. Where is he at right now? I'm, I'm seeing him around plus 3,300. I okay, got 35. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even if it's just like 10 bucks, you got to sprinkle that. Um, and the other thing I'm going to do, if it becomes available, and I think it will, I think it will by the time this comes up, I'm going to, I'm going to put a little bit of money on Osaka to medal, right? Uh, uh, Seguro Osaka, uh, Japanese runner. I think he's going to really show out in front of his, his, his uh, home country. So I'm going to put a bet on, I don't think he's going to win, um, but I'm going to put a bet on him to, to win a medal because I think he's got a real good shot of squeezing in for a bronze or something like that. So I'm looking Seguro Osaka to medal. And then I already said it on a previous podcast, cost guy to win i actually think she has the favorite has a better chance of winning on the on the women's side versus the men's side i think cost cost guy's going to run away with it so that's what i'm looking at on the marathon yeah i i agree with you steve that i think cause guy is a no-brainer i'm still i'm taking a similar approach that i did to the 1500 where i'm hitting kipchoge and then pick your favorite long shot uh, for me, you talked about Rupp. You know, you, you got to love it if you want to go with your heart there. But for me, I'm going uh, Kipchoge at minus 200 and then Sprinkle on uh, Lalisa DeSisa, who, you know, is kind of a, a wily veteran. He's been around for a while. He was a uh, 2019 world champion, took New York in 2018, Boston a couple times. So you know, he, he's been there at the – the majors he's been there at the world championships he's just a guy who's always been there so i'm going the same strategy take the favorite and sprinkle a long shot i see decisa as a big city marathoner guy i don't necessarily see him as an olympic i, I don't he I just won the world championships in 2019 I, you're he's right the you're reigning right. world I champion know, i know i know still sticking with my guy kitata I'm taking notes on what you boys are saying over here because I don't know what to do with this. Like in my heart, I still think Kipchoge just is not a big enough favorite to be scared of it. Minus one sixty-five, uh, especially if you can parlay that with something. I, I kind of like it, but you got a lot of big names in here, and like like Mike said, you know, you could sprinkle on a lot of names and get a lot of value. It, it very quickly jumps up to being a good payout. So I I have stayed away from this so far, and I know these are, are pretty new coming out. Uh, I have to sleep on this one. I, 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 it's too hard to bet against Kipchoge for me at this point. What, what, what odds do you guys want to give me? Just like a, just an inter-squad bet here that Kipchoge won't win gold. Or hey, you know what? We'll, we'll make we'll 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 uh, make it a little different. What, what odds are you going to give me that Kipchoge won't win a medal? You don't oh, think he's going to medal? God. Uh, oh, listen, you're you're not looking this through this uh, through a gambling brain. Not winning like, a medal. I'll, I'll give you. you <sighs> Man, uh, I mean, I'll give you, you. Let's just put it this way. I'll let's give you fifteen to one odds that he doesn't win a medal. Deal. Yeah. <laughs> listen, hold on. Like, I want to take that bet, but I also want to talk to you about this. Do you guys think that Kipchoge's odds are higher to win a medal than not to win a medal? Yes. That's insane. 
There's not a single person. He has the highest chances of winning a medal, but he doesn't have higher odds to win a medal versus not winning a medal. That's just absurd to say in the marathon. You can't just, you can't just say this guy's going to win. It's it. That's an absurd thing to say. The guy is to medal. He's going to medal. He's going to medal. The problem with the marathon, there's like, there's a good chance he medals, but the odds are higher. He doesn't medal versus meddling. That's a fact. The problem with the marathon is too easy for a guy to know it's not their day and like drop out or something. So even if he could that hang happens, on for a top three, yeah. Trent, Trent, that happens more often than not. Oh, I'm, I'm agree with you. I'm agree with you. I'm saying he is so dominant that it's hard to imagine it. But you're right. There's if he's not in place to win first, like there's probably I wouldn't take him for second or third. You know, you know, you, if he's not going to win it, then there's a chance it's not his day. He falls back. He drops out. I just think. I mean, the guy just went on a run where he couldn't lose. You know, like he's. He's not that far removed lost, from that peak shape. He lost in his most recent marathon. I'm saying, but we're not so far away from a point where Kipchoge just dominated. I don't know. I, like I guess I'm staying away from it right now. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what to do with it. We're not so far away from a point where Donovan Brazier just dominated. That's a fair point. A yeah, fair I mean, point. if Donovan Brazier was getting on a line tomorrow, are you betting against him, Steve, even though he's coming off of you know the, the worst race of his life? Yes, because the odd in a in a shorter distance race, the odds are the, the your odds are better. We're talking about a friggin' marathon here, Mike. We're talking I, about a marathon. He, he, he's going to medal. Anything can happen to anybody. I, I know. I'm telling uh, you. I'm telling you right now. He's going to medal. That's a that's a fact. There's a very good chance, but I there's know. a better chance he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, we skipped over the 5K, the men's 5K. I just think there's a couple interesting things there. Uh, Steve, you mentioned it quickly. Chep the guy at plus uh, 350. I love that. Uh, I'm coming, going back to the well on Chep the guy there. Another guy you got to look at um, is Paul Chalimo, 16 to 1 odds. How do we feel about that one? You got to sprinkle it. Yeah, I mean, why not, you gotta, right? You, you got to. He's a guy who could be there. I wish there was a to metal odds, but there's not. I can get to metal on mine. I'm looking at Schlemo plus 350 in metal. Grant like Fisher, that. we just talked about it. The guy's a superstar now, plus 500 in metal. And the guy I like who's looked good is Mo Ahmed, plus 350 to metal. Mm. Uh, those are those are three guys right there you can get decent odds on. So now Justin Knight, plus 700 to metal. There's yeah, some Mo, decent odds there. Mo Ahmed uh, put himself in uh, such a good spot, the 10K. I thought there was a chance that he might take the 10K for a second there. Yeah. I, I kind of like that that metal uh, going for the win. Uh, Chep the guy. <laughs> it's always tough to bet on a guy you lost on early when we all had money. At least I know Mike and I did have money on him at ten k uh, to to go back and bet him on the five k. But the odds do just jump out at you as being uh, looking pretty good on that there. All right. Anything else? Stephen Gardner, 400. Oh, so yeah. Last yeah, week, I fell right. in love with this guy even more during the trials. I got a lot of money tied up in Gardner for different parlays and outright. Uh, you're not going to get good odds on him now. He dropped from plus 350 down to like minus 165 or something. So it's not a good time to get value. But if you're looking for a winner, I still like him. Well, if you listen he to races Pete, in a t shirt, I freaking <laughs> love him. He's a bald guy racing guy. a t shirt. Yeah, if you if you uh, listen to peak too early, then you were ahead of those line changes, so you're you're in good shape there. All right, boys, let's kick off the bell lap. Mike, what do you got people on the bell lap? 
That's a good question, Steve. Uh, you know, I, I hate it when you catch me off guard on these things. And I had a, a bell app planned, and and I just don't know what it was. So, you know, I guess what I'm going to say is, I love you guys, and I hope uh, you guys are all winning out there in the Olympics. And this is what it's all about, right? I mean, we've been, we've been gearing up for the Olympics, and the two crew is ready to roll. They're fired up, so. Let's finish it out strong. We got one week left of this thing. This weekend culminates it all. We got the 1500. So we got the marathon. So let's do it up strong. Trent, what do you got people in the bell app? I believe that Krauser will win. <laughs> I believe that Krauser will win. We need Be Krauser. Peak too early is a shot put podcast officially starting now. Shot put is tonight. We'll go back to running cover next week. But right now, we are a shot put podcast. I know we all have some uh, important financial funds tied up in Krauser, and he's going to dominate. We're going to have a blast watching him uh, just dominate the field tonight and take that gold medal. Let's go, Krauser. All right. Like I said at the top of the show, it's gut check time. This is where you separate the men from the boys. So um, it's not time to pack it in. It's time to double down and, and, and make some profits here. Um, I have been on Twitter. If you're not following us on Twitter, then what the hell are you doing? Get it, follow us on Twitter. I've been posting the pick of the day on Twitter, and I'm really disappointed nobody's gotten the GIF reference that I've been posting with the pick of the day. So go check it out um, to, to stay up to date with, the, with our daily picks, with, with what the hottest pick of that day is. Um, other than that, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on the vacation, Fido.